been a minute since I've done any UFC content. Doesn't mean I haven't been following it. I uh, really enjoy the UFC, so that probably won't ever happen, but had a lot going on with NFL, and honestly, I've been debating whether I wanted to continue doing any UFC content or not. I'll get through this quick. Don't worry, we're going to get to what we came here for. But the reason why is just understanding, again, that I have uh, never done martial arts myself, other than if you count the punching bag I had in the garage that I used to work out, but I don't count that. I don't think anyone else would either. And so there's lots of people out there who knew, know a hell of a lot more than I do about martial arts, about the intricacies of what's happening, about what to look for. Uh, that There is no doubt about that. Here's the reason I decided to come back to the UFC roundup and uh, give it another go, at least for now. And that is, I take in a lot of UFC content, and you could say I'm just parroting back what I hear. Suppose that's true to some extent. But also, I try to pick up on kind of reading between the lines, listening for the points that make more sense. There are some things that everybody's saying, and in some ways I don't even put as much stock in those things because it's sort of what I'm doing. Everybody's just saying the same stuff. And so I try to listen for the outliers, the things that uh, people say that nobody else is picking up on to try to find the edges in this stuff. I am going to tweak a little bit what I'm doing on this on this show, though. So if you're, if you're here, you're going to get two things. Number one is a quick overview of generally what people are saying about a fight not going to spend too much time there because you can hear that a lot of other places. But then I've spent quite a bit of time looking through a lot of different books, trying to find what I think are the best places, uh, the best ways to get bets down on these fights. In other words, which lines hold the most value? And in some fights, I even have bets on, on each of the fighters. Because depending on which way you go, what I want to give you is what I think the best way would be to bet, depending on which side you fall on. And I, where, where I have strong leanings, I'll share those with you. Um, come to the conclusion that certainly while there's a lot of people who know more than me, I've been doing all right with betting this stuff. And so I'll share what I think seems more legitimate where that is warranted. If there is stuff you'd like to see or hear, do leave me a comment. Let me know that. And other than that, let's jump into the fights. We're going to start at the top of the card for UFC Fight Night, Grosso versus Arujo. <clears throat> On Grosso versus Arujo, the, the main things here is that Grosso is a really good striker, likes to stay at distance, it probably has a really good gas tank. Well, Arujo has been developing and is very athletic and explosive. And so one of the key things that people will talk about here is they believe that uh, Grosso should be able to keep up a pace while well, Arujo needs the space to be able to rest a little bit, to be able to continue going, and people are more iffy on if she's going to have the gas tank to fight five rounds, at least to fight five rounds uh, effectively. So big picture, that's what people are looking at here. Probably most of this fight taking place on the feet, uh, possibly a little on the map, but not as much. So in terms of the best ways to bet this fight, I think there are two things. Number one, I do think people are undervaluing Arujo and overplaying the, the extent to which she's going to gas. If she can fight three to four strong rounds, she may bank enough to win a decision if it gets there, which most people and the market say that it will. So I don't think we should be dismissive of Arujo because her skill set has been developing and she's really strong and athletic. And I think she brings a lot of advantages to the table here. Most people think she'll be able to use those in round one and then they'll dry up. I'm not convinced they will. Uh, it's possible. 
But if you like the Arujo side, you're up to plus 200 now that you can get. Bet online today had plus 201. And so I don't think there's any reason to get fancy with this if you like the Arujo side. Like I said, I think it's possible she banks a few rounds and is able to pull out a decision here, maybe even a split decision. It's another thing that I'm not necessarily betting, but I think you could look at as a split decision line here. I think you can get plus 500 on that, and I don't think that's a terrible look in a fight like this. Both of these fighters do go to decision a ton. Granted, this is a five-round fight, not a three-round. But there's a lot of weight being put on her gassing out here to count on getting to a decision that Grasso wins. So if you like the Arujo side, I wouldn't get fancy with it. You can probably tell from what I'm saying, I, I have not bet anything on this fight yet, but I am considering that dog shot. If you like Grasso, I would look at Grasso 4-5 or decision. You can get that from minus 110 at points bet, minus 115 at FanDuel. It seems very unlikely to me that Grasso is going to win this fight in round one, two, or three. I don't think she is likely to have the power to put Arujo away that quickly. I like over two and a half for a parlay, but that's so juiced up that you can't really use it, as I'll talk about later. So if you like Grasso, the juice is so much that in women's MMA especially, I wouldn't want to pay what this line is up to now. I should double check for you what that is instead of just saying what it's up to. Up to minus 225. I mean, I, I just wouldn't want to do it. I don't think it's that certain. And so Grasso 4-5 decision getting closer to even money gives you the most likely win condition, but also throws in a little bit of insurance in case Arujo does gas badly and Grasso can take her out there. Next fight up, we have Jonathan Martinez versus Cub Swanson. For this fight, big things, Cub Swanson coming down a weight class. He's getting older. He's going to be turning 39 soon. And so a lot of people who are on the bandwagon that you fade people who fade people who are over like 37 38 especially in these lower weight classes would say that this is a good spot to fade cub cub swanson a good boxer gonna put pressure on people a really phenomenal fighter has some great wins in his career but does tend to fight with his hands down and can have bad fight iq on the other side jonathan martinez a really dynamic prospect who likes to use his kicking more than his punching and if you hit him on the button, you can get to him, though. I forget who it was, but someone talked about the fact that even when he hasn't been KO'd, he has been knocked down or stunned in a lot of fights. And so if Cub can get to him with that power, if it holds up at the weight class, then this is a spot where he potentially could get to him. Which leads me to uh, the first ways that I would look at betting this fight. There's a lot of unknowns. This is a pretty volatile fight, I would say. Because we don't really know what Cub's going to look like down a weight class. We don't know if he's still going to have the power carry over. We don't know if he's going to have the speed to keep up. <laughs> and so I think if you like the Cub side, if you think that this is sort of a toss-up fight, then Cub at plus 175 on the money line straight up isn't a bad way to look at it. Both of these guys have gone to decision a lot in their careers. And so betting on a finish, I don't think is really certain though i'm going to share one finish bet that i don't mind so if you like cub i think you're better off again like i said with arujo to just take the money line you're getting plus 175 why why risk not winning because you didn't want to take the decision second thing is to look at cub ko you can get plus 550 on DraftKings. i if i was going to play this which i'm still deciding on this fight but 
if I was going to play this, I would play three quarters of a unit on Cub on the money line and then a quarter of a unit on the KO. I do think that there is the chance that if he can put the pressure on Martinez and get inside that kicking range and his power holds up, this is a lot of what ifs, that he can get that knockout uh, with Jonathan Martinez. So I don't mind a little bit on the KO line there. And if I was going to bet Cub, that is the way that I would split it up. On the other side, with Jonathan Martinez, I would, if I was going to bet him, I would take the round three or decision line, which is plus 115 on points bet. He does tend to, he tends to accrue damage over time. So he'll use his leg kicks. Um, he'll use other kind of kicks. I think the danger here is that he hits a liver shot and just crumples Cub because Cub's pretty tough. But with a liver shot, you're not going to fight through it. So I think that's the danger with taking the, the three year decision. But with where the line stands now, I would much rather get plus 115 and take on that little bit of risk that he's able to finish Cub in the first two rounds. And and I'll I'll take that risk. So if I was going to bet Martinez, that's the way I would go. The other thing that is worth looking at here, and this is actually one that I am considering putting a quarter unit on, is the split decision, which is plus 500 at DraftKings. Both these guys go to decision a lot. It's at a lower weight class. If they go, do go to decision, both of them have the opportunity to shine in their respective areas. And so I definitely could see the judges being split on who gets this one. Third fight up is Royval and Askarov, which I believe I saw on Twitter has been canceled. I saw, unless it was uh, a fake account for Brandon Royval saying that Askarov was going to miss weight and wouldn't take a catch weight bout, then this is canceled. So I'm not going to spend the time talking about it. And if I got duped on Twitter by a fake account, then so be it. And, you know, y'all figure it out. Don't need, you don't need me for every fight. So. We're going to skip Roy Valen Askarov because of that. So the next fight up after that will be Dusko Todorovic and Jordan, the Beverly Hills Ninja, right? I mean, this one, listen to one MMA show this week. You've listened to them all. So if you've listened to any yet, you don't need to listen to what I'm about to say. But in case you haven't, these guys both finish fast and they both get finished fast. Jordan Wright hasn't been beyond a round and a half in his life, and he gets put to sleep by nothing. So this is a fight where under one and a half at minus 225 is almost a given. I, there always is the chance that they, they both approach this fight slower, want to try to hang in it, and somehow it goes over around and a half. This shit happens. As we say in every form of betting, people say it's MMA, shit happens. Well, it's NBA, shit happens. It's NFL, shit happens. Yes, it's betting, we get it. But if looking at historical trends, the way these guys fight the chins, under one and a half at two, minus 225. Not a bad look on its own, and we'll get to that as a parlay piece later. The other thing I would say is on DraftKings, you can get round one at minus 135. I actually like that better. The, cha the chances of this finishing into the second round, the first half of the second round, are there, but they're small enough that the drop from minus 225 to minus 135 is worth it for me. So I haven't bet it yet, but when I go back after this show and lock in my bets, I will likely be taking a unit or to probably to win a unit on this fight to finish in round one. There's multiple other things that I think you could look at here that aren't bad. Um, on the, on the right side, um, right knockout round one plus six fifty on FanDuel. One of the reasons I like that, if it's still there, this was an hour or two ago is that it's only plus four twenty five on DraftKings. So when you get that big of a discrepancy, the market is saying that one of those lines is off you can debate which one it is. I think it's the DraftKings line at plus 650. 
that's basically Jordan. How Jordan Wright wins if he wins is a knockout in round one. So it's almost like getting Jordan Wright at plus six fifty. So I don't mind that at all. You can also get Jordan Wright under half and under half a round at plus eight hundred. I would personally stick with the plus six fifty for all of round one. I think that's a better look. Um, you and then the other one uh, for Jordan Wright is Jordan Wright most takedowns landed plus 180 at bet online. And here's the reason that I find this interesting is that Jordan Wright to get over one and a half takedowns is plus 135. It's a pretty low line. I, I look back at the stats and I can see why maybe it would be lined that way, but I don't think either of these guys is getting two takedowns, but plus 135 for Todorovic over one and a half takedowns is plus 200. Um, so the line is longer uh, for him, yet you're getting a better line because most takedowns landed for uh, for Todorovic was was shorter than plus 180. So this line is just off for some reason. A bet online, if it's still there, I really don't mind that. Jordan Wright did go for takedowns in his last fight, and he has 100% takedown defense in his career so far. <clears throat> the final thing you might consider taking here is the fight ends in 60 seconds at plus 500. However, with how fast these guys finish, they haven't finished within the first minute very often. So I'm going to stay away from that one. But just wanted to throw it in there because it does give you a little bit better odds and it gives you both sides. If that's something you want to do instead of all of round one at minus 135. Obviously a huge discrepancy in the lines between those two bets. So those are ways I'd consider approaching that depending on what you like. Next up is Alonzo Menafield and Misha Surkinov. This one, generally, the way people are looking at it is Alonzo Menafield clips Serkinov with his power and is able to put him out, or Serkinov somehow is able to get him down, which is the challenge because he's not great at wrestling, and then that he is able to pull off a submission against Alonzo Menafield. Also, that Misha is likely to gas. This is something he's done in many of his fights, though Menafield can do that too if he exerts himself too quickly. So this fight does feel again, like a lot of volatility to me. How would you go about betting it? Well, if you like Misha Serkinov here, if I heard someone say if this fight was taking place three or four years ago, you'd be all over Serkinov. If you still think he's got something in the tank, then I'd go with him for submission. This is the primary way I think he wins, and you can get that for plus 340 at points bet. Not a bad line, in my opinion, for the primary win condition of a guy. On the other side, you can get Alonzo Menafield KO if you like his side. I think that may be the best way to approach this because the line is so wide. You can get plus 130 at Bet Online, and I don't think that that's too bad. You may also look at fight doesn't go the distance in parlays as one of these two guys is likely to finish. The biggest danger there is that they both gas themselves out, and then we end up with a round two and three that are just sloppy, and Menafield has no power left, and Serkinov has no takedowns left, and they just kind of pod each other for a couple rounds and somehow it gets to decision. I'm just saying that that does happen sometimes with people who gas themselves out. I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but it's something you want to consider if you're laying a lot of juice on a parlay for this fight to not go the distance. <clears throat> Next up, we have Mana Martinez against Brandon Davis in an interesting fight. So this is one where some of the early takes I heard in my own memories of Mana Martinez I thought, man, this guy carries a ton of power, definitely would look to bet the knockout here. And if you like Martinez, I think that is a good way to go. You want to reduce the juice, and you can actually get plus 255 on his knockout. I'm not going that way anymore, but just saying if that's the side you like, I think that that's a good way to bet this fight. 
on the Martinez side. On the Davis side, I think there are two bets that you would look at. Number one is just the money line, plus 135 in general. Again, I don't mind that because I'm going to share with you one other bet, but what happens if a prop doesn't hit and the thing that you've chosen to have doesn't happen and you could have gotten plus money on a fighter who won? Man, those suck. I don't mind reducing the the juice on somebody who's minus 200 or more or close to that, but when I'm already getting plus money, I don't want to waste waste it. So again, like I talked about in a previous fight, if I decide to bet the Davis side, which for me it's Davis or pass at this point is what I'm looking at, I would put three quarters of a unit on Davis's money line, and then I take a quarter unit on Davis sub. This isn't actually something that I've heard talked about a lot, and I admitted at the beginning that I don't th- know the most of everybody out there about martial arts. So if this is bullshit, then someone can say so, and you cannot take it. But I'm going to go off of what I'm looking at too. And for me, it's because the line is so wide. I can get plus 850 on Davis by sub. One of two One of two of Mana Martinez's UFC losses, which was on Contender Series, so if you don't count that, you don't have to count it. But his loss there was by submission. And two of Davis's last five wins have come by submission. And so this, to me, is something that's live. And at plus 850, that seems very wide to me in terms of win conditions. So that's the way, if you're going to bet Brandon Davis, that's the way I'm looking at it. Three quarters of a unit on the money line and a quarter of a unit on Davis by sub. Again, if you like Martinez, I like the KO prop there for him. And it certainly could come through. The other thing is I will look at Davis on the live line uh, after the first round. All right, we're cruising right along through six fights out of 11 now, rather than 12. (laughs) On to the seventh which is a Sun Sal versus Henry. Man, if you watched Henry, um, oh, crap, now my mind's blanking. You can all make fun of me for Henry putting the beating on, whoever he put the beating on last time. Just barrage of strikes. It'll probably come to me when I'm talking about like two fights from now. But it was incredibly impressive. A Sun Sal is old again. People will say his volume is not as high. This is a guy who was a really good fighter and has fought the best of the best, but most people just believe he's falling off the map at this point, and there's not much reason to bet him, even at what has become an incredibly wide line. Uh, Victor Henry is minus 375, and a Sun Sal is plus 320. So if you like anything about the Sun Sal side, just take the money line. It's kind of hard to like. So what? How, how do I see betting this fight? Well, I'm going to throw this in again later, but you could put Victor Henry in a parlay. I do think it's likely that he wins, uh, as has ever. I haven't heard a single pit person pick a Sun Sal this week, even with the wide line. A couple other things, though, that I think you could consider. One is Victor Henry inside the distance. Now, maybe he's not a profound finisher, but this line is plus 150. So I'm moving from minus 375 to plus 150, and you could say he's going to win a decision. That absolutely is possible. But I think the question here is if a Sun Tzu can f- slow the fight down enough to not take much damage, or if Henry's able to speed it up enough to put the damage on him. And if he can, I don't know that a Sun Tzu survives three rounds of that. So I actually do think that uh, Victor Henry inside the distance is pretty live here especially with a difference of 325 points between his money line and his inside the distance. That feels like something worth considering. 
<laughs> the other one I'm going to go off the board a little bit, and this is a bet online. It's not at all the books out there. So if you don't have bet online, you might want to consider getting it or see if any of your books have lines like this. But it's Victor Henry under 84 and a half significant strikes. And I want to give full credit here. The, the thing that brought this to my attention was Cody Safdick on Dogger Pass. Great podcast. It's one of the ones I always listen to. So hear me clearly. I did not come up with this. Uh, it was Cody who brought this to, to my attention. But I just went and looked into it myself some and just on board with what he had to say there about the way that a Suns house slows down fights. Um, significant strikes versus a Suns in his career. Oh, and Victor Henry's line is 84 and a half. 18, 19, 62, that's against Corey Sandhagen. 10, 20, that was Rob Font. 34, 44, 52, 64, that was TJ Dillashaw. 39, 33, 29, 14. So the closest we've come to 84 and a half significant strikes is 64. And that was from TJ Dillashaw. Now, granted, that was a while ago, and this isn't the same version of Victor Asunsa or Rafael Asunsa. Sorry, I'm mixing names now, too. <clears throat> but you're going to give me 20 more significant strikes against a guy who's not at the same level of some of these other guys who haven't gotten close. I'm going to take it. So under 84 and a half significant strikes at minus 115. I've got enough on that to win two units, and I really like that line. Just would encourage you to think about it. Um, if this, if that stuff makes sense to you. And again, shout out to Cody for pointing it out. Fight number eight is Maximov and Malkoon. This one in again, pretty straightforward in terms of what people are saying. Neither of these guys is a striker. Neither of these guys is a finisher. They're wrestlers. They grind you out. Neither of them is really even much of a submission artist, though there are submission possibilities there. And so most people believe that this fight is going the distance that line is so blown up that I don't think you can really play it. It's minus 250. I don't really like to take any fight to go the distance at minus 250. But if you're super convinced and you want to lay a ton of chalk, I am certainly not the one to stop you. <clears throat> Ways that I would consider playing this fight. Um, I've got two. One is the split decision at plus 400 on DraftKings. If these guys are going to wrestle each other back and forth, if they're both going to be relatively ineffective in striking when the fight is there, I mean, how are judges going to really differentiate unless one of these guys has a tremendous amount of control or gets off a few really damaging shots or something? I think this is a fight that very easily could be seen both ways at the end of it. So at plus 400, I think that might be the best way to approach this fight more than any one of the individuals to win it. The other line that I'm looking at, and again, I have not bet this, so I always want to be honest about that, but it's but I'm thinking about it, is Malkoon by KO, which you can get so plus 900 at MGM, 950 FanDuel, but 1200 at Bet Online. So again, we have some line discrepancy here, and you have to decide is the plus 1200 off or is the plus 900 off or both to some extent. The reason that I came around to thinking that I might put a little bit on the actually, no, I lied. I did put uh, uh, 0.2 units on Malkoon KO by plus 1200 already a bet online. The reason I did that is when you go and look at these guys stats, they both are pretty decent at stuffing takedowns. They both get a lot of takedowns like Malkoon's had seven, six, eight and zero. 
which was a fight that finished really fast. Maximov's had zero fight that finished really fast. 11, 4, and 2. So both these guys get takedowns, but Malkuna has allowed 2 0 0 0. Maximov has not allowed one. He has 100% takedown defense in the UFC. So how successful are these guys going to be at actually getting each other down? And if they can't get each other down and they try and try and try and then they get tired and then they just stay on the feet, who's going to win on the feet? What I have watched, this goes to what I've just watched of Jacob Malkung. He's willing to get in there and throw and he's willing to put some pressure. And I think he actually does have the ability to put out someone like Maximov. So, of course, I don't think it's the most likely outcome, but that's why it's plus 1,200. If the fight doesn't go the distance, I actually think this is a pretty significantly likely outcome. So, again, it is most likely to go the distance. I'm going to talk about that in parlays, but I don't mind a little bit on Malkoon KO at plus 1,200. On to the next fight. I have very little to say about this one. Joe Anderson Brito versus Alexander got added really late. Uh, Alexander's a, a, a late replacement. I mean, probably Brito wins. Most people I've listened to don't even have much to say about this fight because they didn't tape it. So I don't have much to say about it either. You could look at Brito KO1 at plus 240 at FanDuel or Brito in a parlay. I don't know. Nothing for you other than that. I'm sure you can come up with something better. That's my shit fight of the breakdowns here. All right. From there, we get to Pierre Rodriguez versus Sam Page Hughes. Interesting fight and a lot of different takes on this one, actually. So most people will say Rodriguez likely better from distance, likely better on the mat, a better technical fighter overall than Sam Hughes is. Why would you be interested in Sam Hughes? Because Sam Hughes is really tough, and she never stops coming. And in her last couple fights, it looks like she is improving in her skill set from fight to fight. And so you can potentially expect improvement again from her last fight to this one. In her last fight, she was able to just hold Elise Reed down and pound on her. It was one-way traffic the whole fight. Elise Reed's not amazing, but that was very impressive. And so those would be the reasons why people are high on Sam Hughes. And there are a lot of people high on Sam Hughes. I would say the most common take on this fight is Sam Hughes' money line at plus 140. There's lots of people on that. I'm going to pass. From the stuff I've looked at and some of the better breakdowns I've listened to, it does feel like Para Rodriguez is the better fighter here and that she's not as likely to gas out as some of the other opponents Hughes has beat, which means Hughes may not be able to put it on her as the fight progresses in the same way that she has with other people. But how would I bet it? Well, number one, if you do like the Hughes side and love that tenacity and toughness and gas tank, take it on the money line. I mean, It's likely to go to decision, but who knows? Maybe she finds a way to get her out of there. So again, I wouldn't mess with it at plus 140 if you do like Sam Hughes. The other things that I would consider here is significant strike props on both of these ladies, which again are on bet online. So Sam Hughes is at 39 and a half significant strikes. In her last three fights, she has landed 43, 76, and 53. So well over that in most in two of the three. Rodriguez is allowed 31, 36. So very close, under, but very close. 
And so I don't mind an over here, especially if Hughes is not just taking someone down and pounding on him there where significant strikes might not get counted. If this stays on the feet, it gives Hughes a lot of time and she's an aggressive fighter. On the other side, Rodriguez is also at 39 and a half significant strikes, but the line is minus 200. So it's very wide. Rodriguez in her last two fights has landed 50 and 43. Hughes has allowed 17, but that was Elise Reed where she had her down on the ground the whole time. 89, 60, 84, and 52. If this fight stays on the feet, I feel like this is, you can't ever say lock because nothing is a lock. Let me be very clear. I guess what I'm trying to communicate is if this fight stays on the feet, it seems incredibly likely to me that uh, the pair of Rodriguez will go over 39 and a half significant strikes. In fact, I very seldom do this, but I actually bet two units to win one at minus 200 on this line because I think it's that solid. And unfortunately, bet online won't let you parlay stuff like this. Otherwise, I would think that it was a good parlay piece. I also don't mind Piero Rodriguez as a parlay piece at minus 158. I'm not betting her straight, but uh, I think the chances are good enough that she wins, and there's not a, late, a lot of great pieces on this card. <clears throat> All right, two fights to go. Fight number 10 in what would have been 11. And the last one I have much of anything to say on is Tatsuro Tyra against CJ Vergara. Both these guys young. People are pretty high on Tyra. They think his improvements will be great. They think the gas tank is good. CJ Vergara, a scrappy guy, will get in there, take on anybody, doesn't quit, keeps coming at you unless you put him down. That's blah, blah, blah. That's the stuff people say about this fight. What about betting it? Well, number one, the entire MMA capping world is on Tyra by submission. I have not heard a single person who has not at least said that that is a good bet this week. So I will just say it probably is because everyone's saying it is. Plus 350, bet MGM, plus 360 on FanDuel. I haven't bet it yet, but I definitely wouldn't put it past myself to get something on that before we get to the fights because it's basically unanimous that people think that that's a primary way that he wins. How else might you bet this fight, especially if you don't think that Tyra sub is going to happen? I have one other way, and that is I would consider CJ Vergara round three because of the line. Plus 1,600 at Bet Online, but plus 2,400 at FanDuel. So again, I know as the lines get larger, the percentage change is, is smaller. But we're still talking about an 800-point difference between those two lines, one of them likely to be a little bit off. <clears throat> I don't think there's any reason to think that Tatsuro Tyra is going to gas. Though one of the better takes I heard, and I actually don't know if it was about this fight, but just about how this fight could play out. And I think it was Dan Tom who was talking about this. So props to Dan Tom. Go listen to Protect Your Neck if you don't already. Subscribe to that. Is when somebody spends a round, especially with a body lock, and is fishing for submissions the whole time but isn't able to get the submission, it gasses out their legs and it makes it far less likely that they're going to be able to finish off the fight after that round happens. If what everyone says is true, that Tyra is going to be a great back taker, then what if he gets the back in round one, but isn't able to actually finish Vergara, someone who has a great gas tank and keeps coming. And now Tyra has gassed out his legs a little bit or worn them out a little bit so that he's not able to put on the same kind of performance that he would otherwise. Well, now I think Vergara becomes live to potentially finish him because he will come with that volume. And so 
that big of a line for round three for Vergara in this fight, I think is worth a little bit of a stab. I haven't done it yet, but I will likely put 0.1 or 0.2 units on that myself. Some people are on high on fight doesn't go the distance here, but, um, and I mean, I just said that I'm going to put a little on Vergara round three. So I guess I'm saying there's a chance, but I think if Vergara wins, it is more likely to be a decision for me. It's just a line thing. So I actually think if you're interested in fight doesn't go the distance, I would probably look toward that Tyra inside the distance or Tyra sub is more likely in that case, but that's just how I'm looking at it. Last fight up, nobody wants to talk about, and I'm not really going to talk about it either. That's Pete Rodriguez versus Mike Jackson. Mostly what people talk about is that Mike Jackson is a photographer and Pete Rodriguez has short arms. There is your spot on breakdown. Uh, I don't think I'll bet anything in this unless it's in a super long shot parlay. So I'm not going to tell you any good ways to bet it either because I don't know that there are many. Okay, that wraps up all the fights. The last thing I want to do is I want to tell you what I think the best parlay pieces are for this card. These are things that I'm likely to put together. I haven't built out all my parlays yet, so I, I, I haven't bet it yet. But these are the pieces that right now I'm looking at as the most positive. Three totals and one side. The side is Victor Henry, minus 375. It's really juiced. I don't love that. But man, I just think Asuncao is falling off, and I think Henry's going to take care of him. Not exactly sure how, but I think that's a good spot. <laughs> the other three totals, first up is Todorovic and Wright under one and a half. Minus 225, I think, is actually a pretty solid line for the chances that this does finish under a round and a half. Depending on how you want to structure it, I don't hate that finish in round one either if you want to have less juice in the parlay. But under one and a half, minus 225, that's good. The third one, Maximov and Malkoon over two and a half at minus 270. Very juicy. But as I talked about earlier, I agree with everyone else that this is very likely to go to a finish, even if it's on the feet some. So I, I think minus 270 is not a bad parlay piece for over two and a half. And that gives you even the little insurance of a late finish somehow. And then the last one is Grasso and Arujo over three and a half minus 275. Arujo may have some finishing upside early. And then some people I think are looking at Grasso to finish this fight in starting in round three, maybe four or five. And so, yeah, I think this fight actually is likely to go to decision, but I get the possibilities. So for a parlay over three and a half at minus 275 is the way that I would probably look. All right. That is the UFC roundup in the new format. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, you can shit on me if you want, but honestly, I would prefer any constructive criticism or things you think would add to this, make this better thing. What I want to do too, is try to give actionable insight. There's a lot of people giving great breakdowns, and I've said many times they're better at it than I am. But what I would love to do is look through these lines, think through the fights, carefully consider what are the, the best ways to take action depending on where you land. So if you have ideas for how I could do that better, always open to hearing those. And if you enjoyed the video, please do give it a like. Uh, subscribe to the channel. We have a lot of NFL content right now. NBA stuff is in the works. Should be starting up next week as we get to the regular season. And if you're on the podcast, absolutely please rate, review the podcast. Would be greatly appreciated. All that said, enjoy the fights on Saturday, whether you're watching them just with that or mixing in some college football, NBA preseason along the way. 
Enjoy your Saturday. Make some money. Talk to you later.